Hello everyone, welcome to Then Now Whatever, the wrestling podcast. And the dream of the 90s is alive in NXT as we're taking a belated look at TakeOver Portland. I'm your host, the Doctor Among Men, Duncan Joyce. I'm joined once again by the hardest working Triple H mark in show business, Mr. Carl Cambray. Hello, welcome to the show. How are you doing, Carl? I'm alright. I've been in Paris for two days. Lovely. That was really nice. We went up the Eiffel Tower, we went to Louvre, Arc de Triomphe. Yeah, it was nice. It wasn't as romantic as people make it out to be. I don't know. I, d- I didn't get the romance vibe of it, but I really enjoyed it. And my not-to-be-believed fact that came out of Paris was we went to the Eiffel Tower and we had like some tour guide taking us round and telling us loads of different facts. And he was saying that in March of every year, they have an Eiffel Tower race. So from the first step right at the very bottom on the ground floor, all the way up to the summit, which is like 1,700 steps. And the record is seven minutes. <laughs> oh, bloody hell. Right? Like, if you window that down, that's 22 steps a second. Like, who does that? Who? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> that, that doesn't sound right. Uh, what? So, yeah, according to this tour guide, you, yeah. Wow. 22 steps a second. Mm. I suppose it is hard to feel romantic while everyone's on strike and stuff. Well, yeah. Yeah, but there is that. But yeah, and then I came back, didn't feel great. I'm all good now. I'm all feeling better. Good. How about you? You okay? Yeah, my outings were slightly less exotic, but I went on the East Lanks Railway the other weekend. Oh, nice. That was so cool. We got on the platform just at the moment that the steam train was rolling in and yeah. it was so cool like seeing it roll up so yeah we just went as far north as we could to Rottenstall oh, yeah. went to I think it's Europe's only temperance bar it was Mr Fitzpatrick's oh, wow. they made loads of like cool custom sodas yeah that was neat then we went back down a bit further south to Ramsbottom had lunch there nice it's good Ramsbottom They've got quite a lot of quirky little bars and, and cafes and stuff. Mm. Yeah, it's a nice place. Yeah, there's a whole other side of Lancashire than I've ever seen, really. I'm used yeah. to the red brick stuff. And yeah, yeah. Everything there is rather peaceful and picturesque. Yeah, nice. We didn't really have any interest in covering the Blood Money show, so <laughs> we thought it'd be good to take a look at what NXT have been up to since their Wednesday night moves. Yeah. I'm enjoying it, and I'm really enjoying the the idea that it's no longer like a secondary show. It's you know just as important as Raw and just as important as SmackDown. So I quite like that highlight having Finn come back over to NXT. You know, showing that top guys can go back to NXT if they you know if they so wish and mm. stuff like that. So yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, I think I mentioned in our best of the decade episode. It's driving me to see more of NXT than. Uh, usually do lots to enjoy so far we're taking a look at takeover portland which was on february the 16th 2020 from the moda center in portland oregon couldn't get any figures for the attendance but it was wwe's highest grossing event in portland since 2008 oh wow and that was a full blown pay-per-view it was, a, a, it was probably the last time we had a pay-per-view there i'm not sure yeah uh, we get a dramatic 
artsy video package in black and white. Something about this being for the people who step into the arena and they're not too timid to experience victory or defeat. And then Poppy performs the theme song to highlights of all the feuds going in, playing on the screen in the background. This always takes me back to WrestleMania X8. Yeah. All I ever think about. I think that they should do this more often, you know, get artists to, to play live, make it more of an event. I have to say, I'm not a massive fan of Poppy and her music. However, I liked the concept of it. I thought it was cool. Some of these NXT loud people that we find. This is they're quite a hybrid, aren't they? Of, yeah. You know, <laughs> various genres. <laughs> I forgot NXT have their own watermark in the corner now as well. Yes, they do, yeah. This quite classy. Nice. Yeah. Commentary team tonight are Mauro Ronello, Nigel McGuinness and Beth Phoenix. I quite enjoyed their work. Anything that Mauro does really it gets you more invested in the matches and then just the the added addition of Beth and Nigel is good. It's yeah. good to hear someone that actually sounds like they care. Yeah. I think Excalibur's kind of the same as well over AEW. Yeah. Because a, a lot of the people were people but he came up with in PWG or whatever and he, he understands so much about what's going on like he, yeah. he's, he's a great leader as far as getting the stories across and things yeah yeah I agree with that I think that's where it helps an audience watching it at home if you've got a commentator that is fully invested in what they're watching and is going through the motions like you are you tend to like the matches more or you tend to be more invested our opening contest for the NXT North American Championship, sees the champion Keith Lee facing off against Dominic Dijakovic. Morrow tells us that this is the rubber match in a rivalry that has redefined what big men can do. It's been a pretty big highlight of NXT TV since the USA switch. Yep. And yeah, they are. They're in a dead heat. They've got even wins and they've shared a couple of draws. Yeah. I still find it really bizarre that, you know, Keith Lee's the North American champion and we've seen him a few times in progress. It's just really bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I see him, I'm like, I've literally sat like two feet away from you. Oh, there's a good half dozen or so lads yeah. on this show. We've been in quite close proximity to. Yeah. Crowd of super, super into Keith Lee here. Yeah. He's really benefiting from his Survivor Series and his Raw Rumble turns. Really basking in the spotlight. Oh, very good. (laughs) Yeah, he's a big example of what you were talking about earlier, about how NXT stars are being put on rather equal footing with some of their Raw and SmackDown counterparts. Yeah, definitely. No messing about in the early going with some great agility. Lee rolled out of a duck under blocked a tornado boot and hit a hurricanrana to a huge pop. Yeah. <laughs> this is like when you make people on uh, create a wrestler and yeah. you just max out all your stats. <laughs> yeah. I always remember doing when you could unlock like the create a wrestler on wrestlers that had already been created mm. so that you could change the move set. Because I wasn't a huge fan of the big show, like going back to the ECW, you know, when they, when they had the ECW brand and he was always on there. And I always used to change all his stats. So instead of him being like a power guy and I could never beat him, I used to change it so 
he was like this guy who would do flips off the turnbuckle <laughs> and stuff like that. It's so strange to see him do like Hurricanes. <laughs> ECW Big Show could have done with a fair yeah. few yeah. stat changes. Way off them silly cigarettes, buddy. <laughs> Lee catches Donnie's Fosbury fop, but then Donnie escapes the powerbomb and suplexes Lee onto the apron. Corkscrew moonsault by Dijakovic. <laughs> Also gets a near fall and NXT chance. They then trade strikes, but nobody goes down until we get a stereo clothesline, but sees them both crumple to their knees. Finally, we get a lariat from Donny, which knocks Keith down. And then, what the fuck? An avalanche Death Valley driver by (laughs) Dijakovic. And Lee kicks out. Maro quips, Fat registered on the Richter scale! The moves that these guys were doing in this first match was just ridiculous. <laughs> They're really slotting right into the role that the tag team division usually have yeah. to kick things off. You're like, how on earth are you going to follow this? Yeah. And usually they do a good job. Pounce by Keith Lee, and then both men just ignore the ref's count with Lee double chopping Donny yeah. on the outside. Dijakovic then super kicks Lee into the announce chair and hits a springboard helo onto Keith. Fucking hell. Loved that, yeah. <laughs> Dijakovic then lands on his feet from the Big Bang catastrophe. Lee hits a spirit bomb and Dijakovic springs up onto his feet immediately. I mean, it was borderline, is he no-selling this or is he just... <laughs> the moment. <laughs> he was immune to it. <laughs> That is kind of a routine problem in NXT now. The selling, I think, yeah. is a bit iffy. But there is definitely something to be said for a no-sell, particularly when you're in one of these monster-versus-monster matches. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. And having them going on first on this card means that it's not been watered down by all of these other athletes that you wouldn't necessarily associate with yeah. ridiculous kick-outs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Diluting what they were doing. So Lee hits a second, dragging Dijakovic up from the ground, and that gets a near fall. Lee then takes a nasty spill on the outside from Donny countering an avalanche spirit bomb. And then, oh my god, the move I like to call, how the fuck did that not end the match? (laughs) (laughs) Top rope Spanish fly by Dijakovic, and Lee kicks out. I was half expecting, just before they did that move, for the ring to collapse. (laughs) Just some sort of Brock Lesnar big show. Yeah, insane. They pulled that out in one of their earlier matches on NXT TV. I'm like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> That's ridiculous now. Dijakovic's back is too hurt to hit his feast your eyes finisher. And that allows Keith Lee to hit the Big Bang Catastrophe and win the match, retaining his title after 20 minutes and 20 seconds. Didn't feel that long? No. It was a really good match. Just flew by, straight to the ending. Lots of moves that I enjoyed to see. And yeah, it just connected really well. Yeah, really nice opener. Really nice to see this rivalry get a bigger stage at a show like this. And they got to do some different spots with them being in the bigger arena rather than a full sale. They spread out the special spots quite well, I thought. So you never lost sight of the scale of these two lads. You know, they're fucking huge. It's unreal that they're doing this to each other. And yeah, great match, really entertained the crowd, kept everybody hot. Yeah. 
Lee brings Donnie back up onto his feet out of respect, which sees Maro pull out an absolutely unbelievable call here. R-E-S-P-E-C-T! That's what rivalries like this mean to NXT! What a guy. <laughs> he must sit up at night thinking of these things. He, Where does he pull them he's out? He's a poet and he doesn't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> we then see Champa and Belair gearing up for their matches backstage. Before we cut to a video package for the Dakota Kai... Tegan Knox street fight. Fucking up for this. Oh yeah. NXT's women's division is the best women's division in all of wrestling. Yeah. And this rivalry has been really, really good. So they were best friends for nearly two and a half years and went through simultaneous knee surgeries. And then we got the excellent heel turn from Kai yeah. at War Games. Very nice, yeah. One of my top moments from all of last year. Yeah. The turn was different. You hadn't seen something like that before, you know. Straight into the, the cage and the attack before they even got to the ring. It's, it was nice. It's fresh. Kai said that when she heard the buzzer, she knew exactly what she wanted to do. And that's hear the snap of Tegan's knee. Tegan just wants to understand, but Dakota says Tegan was never a good friend and isn't going to get what she wants anymore now that we're playing by her rules. We all know you're due for another injury. Yeah. I think Dakota's been fabulous with this heel turn. Remember when she was in the May Young Classic and they'd do the sit-down interviews with her? Yeah. And she would do this, like, determined train of thought or whatever, and she just kind of sounded like a teenager refusing to eat their vegetables. Like, I'm not going to lose. Well, I refuse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like... Oh. Yeah, you're so good that that kind of needs. Yeah, there needs to be some sort of level on that. Yeah, yeah. and she's absolutely killing it now that she's a heel. And yeah. yeah, I think she's got this character really, really well nailed down. This was one of the matches I was most looking forward to. Yeah, and I think the the idea that weapons are involved as well. You know, we we know how unfazed the women can be of you know brutality in a match so you just thought right where and how far are they going to push this yeah yeah it's not often you get a secondary women's division feud on a takeover show yeah so I think both women here are being determined to steal the show so to speak yeah so it's our second match of the evening a street fight between Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai and both women have kind of made street fight kind of adjustments to their gear yeah Dakota jumps Tegan from behind during her entrance, but winds up getting speared through the barricade. And Dakota's able to counter a fireman's carry into a DDT on that barricade. Yeah, that was nice. Here comes all the plunder. Dakota swings a cricket bat at Knox. Yeah. (laughs) But it shatters into the post. Imagine if they got that wrong. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) We need more of that at NXT UK. Yeah. Some more British appropriate weapons. Yeah, yeah. A phone box or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. High-vis vests from Northern Rail breaking down all the time. Yeah. Uh, some orange cones. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the ones shopping Charlie yeah. for all the students. <laughs> wasted the night before. <laughs> Tegan! Get the table! 
And she's met with a massive trash can lid shot. And Dakota tries a running kick, but it gets missed. Knox super kicks her over and over and over again. And then hits a German suplex on the trash can for a two count. The Shining Wizard missed and Dakota hits the chiropractor, but that only gets two. She follows up with a scorpion kick on the apron, but her punt is blocked and she gets sent really hard into the apron. Like, the noise it made, yeah. I never heard it like that loud before. There's a, a few times in this match where some of the noises that they were making, you're like, oh God. Mm. <laughs> Top rope choke slam by Lady Kane. Yeah. And then it's followed up with the Molly go round for a near four. Knox starts to look conflicted, but still tried to do a drive-by kick with Kai's neck pilmanized in a chair, only to end up getting said chair kicked back in her face. Kai then duct tapes Tegan to the post and starts kicking her, and it only takes two kicks for the tape to break. She's hitting yeah. her that hard. <laughs> yeah. Knox fights back with a laptop shot to the knee. Brutal. We had to find like a proper retro laptop for that. Yeah. Laptops as foreign objects worked a lot more like 2000 WCW era. Yeah. That's one of those sort of weapons that you think, right, there's some thought process gone into making that available. <laughs> yeah. She then pilmanises the knee, stomping on it and hitting the Shining Wizard, but then says she's not finished yet. She sets Dakota up on a table Pilmanizes her neck and heads up top. But what the hell? Raquel Gonzalez comes out, saves Dakota, and spinebusters Tegan off the top into the table, which did, did not, not break. break yeah. uh-huh. And Dakota covers for the free count. So Dakota wins after 13 minutes and 24 seconds. My question coming out of this is, where the hell was Candice LeRae? Yeah, I agree with that. My big thing right at the end of that match was... I know hindsight is a big thing, but I would have set that table back up and then smashed her through it and then pinned her instead of getting the pin on an unbroken table. But good finish, didn't see it coming. Different. Our friends at Days of Thunder podcast, they found this trope back in WCW of a large man appears and it's nice to see them continue... The legacy here with a large woman appears. <laughs> Just someone interferes and causes trouble. Yeah. Like, who are they? <laughs> yeah. I felt like, yeah, because it didn't break, it came off a little lame. Yeah. Than well, it could have been. But that was the only thing that took away from this match. I thought it was great. Really nice heated brawl. Worked with a viciousness and an intensity. Yep. And a sadism beyond what you'd see in a regular match. Yeah. Like you bought into the story and they did some cool things with some different kind of weapons with normal street fights. Yeah, it's always nice to, to let the women loose. Yeah, you're really good. Mm. The women's champion Rhea Ripley is warming up and then... <laughs> NXT UK TakeOver is coming to Dublin. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Mm, I can't wait for the next NXT UK TakeOver show in Iceland. (laughs) Yeah. It'll still be good, you know. (laughs) Yeah. I'd like to see them maybe do a TakeOver in a city that's not very... I don't know how to word it, not a predominant city. Mm-hmm. 
so the fact that they you know they've done take over Dublin they've done take over Cardiff we'll take Blackpool out of it because the reason that they did Blackpool was because of the history behind Blackpool mm-hmm. but I don't know a takeover Birmingham or do you know something like that that'd be quite cool mm-hmm. like like that you know what's coming though NXT UK takeover Amsterdam <laughs> 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 something like that I know speaking of the Irish we then get the video package for Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano which recaps Finn's shocking heel turn and all the reaction to it. I don't know that I'm a fan of heel Finn. I like Finn. I just think that he's not found his place back in NXT yet. I think they're just they're messing with him to see where the ball ends, like mm-hmm. where it lands. We'll see what happens. It's a pretty cool spot that made the turn happen. Oh, yeah, and yeah, the, definitely. The kick yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Really came out of nowhere. Yeah. I like how how he did the heel turn, but the few weeks afterwards of him being heel was generic heel, not this is Finn Balor heel. I think this goes back to him discussing how Raw and SmackDown is like Hollywood and NXT is like Broadway. Yeah. He wants to kind of express himself outside of this role that he's been pigeonholed into, which is, oh, he's the guy that sells all the merch. He's the guy with that fancy demon character that can't lose. Yeah. You know, he wants to put a bit more aggression back into his work and go back to the Prince days. Yeah, which is cool. I do miss the demon, though. I'm sure you can make that a heel somehow. Yeah. You've just got to protect it, haven't you? We don't want to have the demon lose... To Goldberg in two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> to the to the bro hammer. <laughs> Finn assesses the situation in NXT since he's been back. I built this place and when I was gone a bunch of boys moved in. I mean, I can't see his points because I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, okay. Johnny then claims that if the Raw and Smackdown Finn showed up, he'd wipe the floor with him. Fair point. <laughs> you know, wipe the floor with the guy that won the Intercontinental yeah. title and the Universal title. <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, can we class his Universal title reign as a proper reign? I won the match to win the title. Well, yeah, okay. Everything that followed after that wasn't really his fault. Yeah, I suppose so. Some people in NXT since Finn left have been susceptible to being a little bit like geeks. Yeah. Some of the things that they try and Finn trying to act like he's here to shake things up is fine by me. Yeah. We'll see what we get out of it. It's our third match on the card. Johnny Gargano facing off against Finn Balor. And Johnny's gear is fashioned after Carnage, so... I guess that makes Finn Venom? Yeah, I suppose so. So he's a heel face. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) This is getting confusing. (laughs) I'm pretty sure Carnage was one of the the first things Finn tried with the body paint when he was on the indies as well. So it's probably a reference to that. Yeah. Johnny's in cracking shape as well, I have to say. Mm, He is. Yeah, he's looking really good. It can't top Finn, though. (laughs) No. I mean, it was made aware to me by 
one of my new managers at work, he's a big wrestling fan. He was saying, if you watch any of the entrances that Finn does and he gets up on the turnbuckle, for some reason the camera is just like, everybody, look at Finn's crotch! Bam! <laughs> I was just about to reference that as well. Every time he's on the apron and he yeah. oh, turns back and leans on the rope, my missus is just like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, she's like, crotch! <laughs> She's also really happy that even though he's heel, he still does the ah! yeah. <laughs> in, in, in his entrance. It's a very cautious, technical start. Finn ends up doing some push-ups in the head scissors. Yep. Mauro quips, that is what the kids would call extra. Gargano had Finn's sunset flip block scouted and it hits a roll-through kick. And then they both trade huge chops. Johnny spears Finn off the apron and Finn responds with the sling blade on the floor. Gargano starts targeting the arm and then after a dragon screw into the top rope, Finn starts targeting the leg. We get another roll through kick blocked and Finn locks on the inverted Native American death lock. Johnny brawls out and fires back. His tope gets caught. Finn tries to turn it into the 1916 but he gets sent into the steps and Johnny scores a sent on. And then gets near fall with the slingshot spear. The lawn dart and the gargano escape are both blocked. And Finn gets a sling blade for two. The baseball slide is dodged and Johnny gets a super kick and the lawn dart. Then Finn hits a pele out of desperation. But Johnny lands on him and gets a near fall out of it. The coup de gras over the ropes is dodged. And Johnny hits a slingshot DDT for a near fall. Then there's a bit of miscommunication over hitting the ropes. And they wind up trading super kicks and sling blades. Shotgun drop kick by Finn is hit, but the coup de gras is dodged again. And the Gargano escape is locked in. Finn eventually gets to the ropes. Then Johnny takes the piss out of Finn's pose and drop kicks him into the barricade on the outside, which gets some booze. Yeah. Fairly regular match for crowd support up until that point. Fans aren't quite as into Johnny as they were before... This whole story with Champa got a little bit too protracted, but still yeah. generally favoured him, I thought. Yeah, I think my thing was that uh, until this point, I don't feel like they'd got out of their comfort zone. I think everything that they was doing up to that point was stuff that they were they could do with their eyes shut sort mm. of thing, you know. It was so relaxed. I mean, they're both high-tempo performers anyway, so it didn't matter that, that everything was high-tempo, but it was just what we were used to. That I think that's what kept the audience at bay, is that then as soon as they saw them come out of that a little bit, it was like, right, okay, we'll jump on board now. He looks to set up the Spanish announce table, but Finn godbusters him onto it, and then shotgun drop kicks him off it. Yeah. Gets back in the ring, coup de gras, 1916, and that gets the win. So Finn wins the match after 27 minutes and 22 seconds. Kind of felt like there was a little bit of something missing from this, and it was fairly long. But Finn reined in some of Johnny's kind of theatre kid bullshit, as I've heard it termed. Yeah. Where he tries to get a little bit too cutesy, and I thought it was a great heel in this match. My only thing was that I didn't feel like they, they got out of second gear. I felt like the, there was more that they could put at risk. A bit more movement that we 
necessarily hadn't seen. I mean, mm. we got that at the end of the match for the finish, but does an audience really want to wait till then? No. Yeah. I know, you know, there's, there's people that say, you know, you get the biggest pop at the end of the, the match, so leave the big stuff till the end, but you want the ebb and flow, don't you, throughout the match, so you want the big stuff here and there. You don't want to just leave it till the end. Sure, yeah, it was a very measured and deliberate match. Yeah. And I felt it was too long, yeah. really. I feel like if you'd have packed some of this action into maybe 18 minutes instead, yeah, you would have felt that a bit more from some of the spots that they were doing. Yeah. My main quibble with this show, some certain matches could have done with a bit of a trimming. Yeah. And this was one of them. Yeah. Three matches in, three more to go. So it's question time. It's actually... Ten years since the original NXT was established. So who do you think out of that original NXT lineup would benefit the most from the current NXT, the way NXT is set up in this day and age in 2020? So are we going before Nexus or are you counting the Nexus people in it? The guys that would go on to form the Nexus. Yes, okay. the, the guys who were in the, the first season of the game show yeah, NXT okay. Daniel Bryan yeah I think Daniel Bryan would be fantastic in this new setup of NXT Wade would work really well I think that's it really you know I think your, your likes of, of Heath I don't know I, I think that he's now too too fixated in being lower card that I don't know whether he would be good enough in this crop he's not really a work rate work rate guy no. you've seen people like Tyler Breeze come back and benefit from yeah. that and fit in rather well mm. so it'd be interesting to see but it'd definitely be like a very big sink or swim situation I yeah think. yeah I agree. Wade yeah he'd be a big one because there's a lot of big men on the roster now yeah. that I think it'd be interesting to go toe-to-toe with. Yeah. Brian, I'm not sure, like, I feel like he kind of skyrocketed because the original NXT was so close to what was then considered the main roster. Yeah. And, like, sure, you definitely get a whole bunch of classics out of the people he could wrestle with, but as, as far as giving him star power and stuff and thinking about where he ended up because of the original way NXT was. Yeah. I'm not sure how much I'd change about that. But the big one for me, just imagine Justin Gabriel in the Cruiserweight division. Oh, yeah. That would be a really nice way to see him kind of stretch out and experiment. And... I was a huge fan of Justin Gabriel, and I just hated the way that they used him. He went from the Nexus and then... I want to say it wasn't the Oracle. The core. That's it. She's the core. God. I just don't think that they used him to his best. Very difficult going into a heel group and having to wrestle the way he does. Yeah. And then not really having all that much defined character-wise. And so then once you leave that heel group, the way you wrestle is the big thing that's meant to gravitate people towards you as a face but then you wrestled the same way when you were in the heel group so uh, yeah. people don't really have a reason to care about you other than all oh, you do a big flip yeah yeah true 
I've heard like loads of stories of how hard he works on the independence and you know he's like one of the top guys and all these independent stuff so it'd be worth you know like seeing if he'd come back or you know because it's not like he left on bad terms or anything on next week's edition of NXT Roderick Strong's gonna face the Velveteen Dream so Kathy Kelly interviews him and he says Velveteen's a dead man and then hypes up his undisputed era teammates going into their title matches. I enjoyed that match. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really good. I'm glad that he's back. I've missed the Velveteen Dream. I'm not too sure where he's going to fit in in the stories moving forward. Is this going to be his last little bit in NXT before we see him move forwards? I think after he's finished with undisputed era, like he's rivalry it's like where does he go next mm. sort of thing. I don't know what kind of injury or something that he had that kept him away for so long but yeah. might need a tiny bit longer to like bed back in to things but I kind of feel the same way as you he feels like someone that they'd really like to strap a rocket to kind of like Rhea yeah. like someone who's you know, like scope and appeal could really move beyond this very specific and maybe even niche NXT brand. Yeah, yeah. Up next is the Women's Championship match, and they highlight the absolute tear Rhea Ripley has been on all winter long. Pitting Charlotte on SmackDown, winning the War Games match, winning the Survivor Series elimination match, and then winning the NXT Women's title from Shayna at the tail end of last year. Do you think that's the biggest rise we've had someone from NXT UK? Because I think she's surpassed Pete Dunne now. Oh, by a long shot, yeah. Pete really, really quickly became another guy. Yeah. He's your longest reigning modern champion ever. Yeah. And he's like, oh yeah, sure, he could lose to Damian Priest this week. Yeah. No, no problem. For sure, yeah. This is the kind of thing you should have seen happen to Pete. Really, yeah. I think. yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've done an excellent job with Rhea. She dares Royal Rumble winner Charlotte to challenge her at WrestleMania, but that pisses off Bianca, who won a battle royal to get the title shot in this show. Bianca and Rhea would actually wind up working together when Charlotte visited NXT, but then Bianca still hit the champion with the kiss of death. It's a bit of a funny one, this, because this is one of those times where you are getting this big... Wrestlemania push of Rhea versus Charlotte but yet Rhea's got to get past Bianca Mm -hmm. and we all pretty much know that it's going to be Rhea against Charlotte at Mania because that's what they want to do so for me all the hype for this match is lost sure you've got to kind of tread carefully here it's not a total foregone conclusion. Yeah. And I think having Charlotte come over to NXT so Bianca could address the situation was was a, a nice attempt to try and control that. Yeah. And you got that really mean, worthy thing where Charlotte tried to whisk her away and Bianca's like, Bitch, you yeah. did it! Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's happened a few times in previous rivalries where you've got this big mania match but yet you've got to get through something else like roadblock just Mm -hmm. off the top of my head that was another one when triple h faced dean ambrose 
but we knew that it was going to be Triple H and Roman at Mania. Mm. And it was just one of those things of like, I'm sorry, I'm not believing that Dean Ambrose is going to beat Triple H. I guess it's no wonder they skipped the pretense completely with Roman going to WrestleMania (laughs) this year. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, we'll see how she gets on. It's our fourth match of the evening with the NXT Women's Championship on the line. Rhea Ripley, the champion, going against Bianca Belair. There's a big stalemate in terms of power early on, so both women turn to wrestling. We get a great corner escape by Belair, but then Rhea dropkicks her away. A second dropkick gets blocked, and so Bianca takes control. With a great standing moonsault for a two count, and then a rough looking suplex that yeah. I don't think came off quite well. No, to. I don't think that that was how they planned to do that. No. <laughs> you see Bianca's parents in the crowd as well. Mm. It's always nice to see family members. I always find, though, when it shows family members, I think, are they going to be part of this match? Mm hmm. That's my only, my one take when it, they show that. Cause sometimes they end up getting involved. Well, thankfully, none of them turned into a gremlin like Lacey <laughs> yeah. Evans' daughter. <laughs> Rhea fires up with a back body drop and an electric chair face buster, kind of like Edge used to do. Yeah. She then locks on a phenomenal mare's grasp submission move that she does yeah fucking hell like the, the strength to do that you can see like the strength in how she does her her moves they're not just a move they are a physical move mm. I think that's the difference isn't it that it's so specific instead of it just being a submission move it's a physical submission move mm. Rhea then winds up hitting the post and eating a spine buster for a two count. Get a big time slapping match. They really laid it into each other. And Bianca ends it with her hair whip. Yeah. She then hits the military press, which gets EST chance, but the handspring moonsault eats the knees. Both women escape each other's finishes, but Bianca gets a spear. And we get a cool kick sequence by Rhea. Who then takes a horrendous bump to the outside, trying to land on yeah. her feet from the backdrop. Oof. Yeah, that wasn't, wasn't nice. That's kind of scary, because yeah. like, that's one of those situations where you're probably better off taking it completely on your back. Yeah. You try and get on your feet and then you slip. That's your tailbone taking all of that. Yeah. Well, that's not good. Then she's able to just about catch Belair with her helo. Yeah. That was kind of lucky there. Rhea wheelbarrows Bianca into the steps, but Bianca played possum and has a fight with Rhea up on the top rope. The powerbomb out of the corner gets blocked, but then Rhea ducks under really nicely, caught Bianca's right hand, and winds up hitting the tornado riptide out of the corner. And that gets the win. So Rhea retains after 13 minutes and 30 seconds. In a good match overall, I think they just missed a couple of steps here and there where, you know, you can see that there's still rough edges to them because they're so early on in their careers. And yeah. then naivety came to the fore a little bit. But quite like the finish, I thought it was pretty credible performance all around, really, especially after such a kind of exhausting match that they had to follow up on. Yeah. 
I agree with that. My two things are, like we discussed before, at no point in that match did I think Bianca Belair was going to win. I can't buy into Bianca at the moment. I don't know what it is, whether it's her character or I just can't get behind her. Yeah, I, it was a good match. I just I felt I already knew what was coming. Mm. But yeah, I, it was a good match. Yeah, yeah, I think they just really need to let Bianca settle into a proper groove now. Yeah, because it's always been like when she first got in the title picture with Shayna being the champion by proxy, she was the one that was going to be the babyface. But I don't think being a babyface quite suits her gimmick just yet. You have a similar thing sort of happening here. She got a pretty significant pocket of support from the crowd in this match. And I think fans really, really took to her because of like how defiant she was about not being overlooked and being able to confront Charlotte and stuff. Yeah. And after this show, she'd wind up facing Charlotte at NXT and, of course, she's got to be the babyface there as well. You can't kind of leave her at this tweener level this early on. Yeah. I feel like there's a significant amount of support to put her in the championship match at WrestleMania as well, but I kind of feel like that's the everybody needs a spot syndrome but you know we, we end up with seven hour WrestleManias and well it's it's also that everybody wins syndrome isn't it like you saying she just she needs to find her own niche mm-hmm. but at the moment she's too many of too many things so I feel for me it's okay not everybody has to have a role or a, yeah. a position like this at times gonna come if you, you play your cards right I think you keep to the purity of the Rhea and Charlotte match, have that at WrestleMania. Yeah. I feel like you, you could have Rhea retain and then she'll have some afters with Bianca after that and I think Bianca would be a good person to put the NXT title on and have her like be the focal point of NXT if Rhea's going to be the one that's getting the rockets strapped to her and yeah. she's getting fast-tracked to being on Raw and SmackDown. And so do you... Do you think that Rhea will return at Mania? I feel like, yeah. I, I think that will then be the impetus for her to go on to other brands and then she'll pass the torch, so to speak, to someone else on NXT and then they'll be the focus of NXT. Because that's always the big worry, is it, isn't it, at Mania, where you look out for the results to see who's going to come up. They've already started to speak about it now, I've seen on Twitter. The spotlight's on Adam Cole. Is he losing it the night before mm. because he's, you know, are they moving him or it's just one of those difficult positions that WWE find themselves in is that if somebody big loses, you kind of know that they're, they're moving. Speaking of Charlotte, just as Rhea's celebrating, she turns up and attacks her and she's like, hell yeah, I'm going to face you at WrestleMania. Fucking aunt. Did did you not feel like Charlotte looked very uncomfortable in those shoes? <laughs> she's got a habit of doing the, this. Yeah, she? there was a point where I was thinking, she's going to fall over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the wrong footwear, I feel, for attacking somebody. Mm. She hits natural selection and then has a bit of afters with Bianca as well. Mara quips, payback is a queen! And fans chant, you don't go here at Charlotte. Yeah. I love Mean Girls references in wrestling. Yeah. (laughs) 
We then get an advert for the Ruthless Aggression series. Have you seen any of it? I have. I've seen all three episodes so far. Mm-hmm. Really like it. Really like it. I like how we strip away the kayfabe and shoots and all that, and it just gets down to the truth of Austin went, The Rock went, they were in a bad way. Who's going to step up? And I really like how they speak to all these different people behind the scenes like what's he called Brian 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 Gerwitz yeah yeah he was someone like I've only seen the first episode but he was someone I really appreciated they had on as a talking head you don't see him do this kind of thing all the time and hearing his perspective from the trenches was kind of interesting yeah and it it was good that you know there was no sugarcoating it They, they just told you how it was so like the first one was like an introduction the second one was all scene based and kind of showing from his debut against Angle, ruthless aggression mm-hmm. slaps him. All that sort of stuff and then his build and the facts that nobody liked Cena backstage. They thought he didn't like the business, they thought he was just there to milk it and, and all this sort of stuff. And the mania match between Cena and Big Show there's a bit with Big Show he just basically says, you know, he believed in Cena and he was happy to go over on Cena. And he said there was quite a few people, he didn't name any names, which, you know, you wouldn't, but he was saying there was quite a few people that came up to him before the match and said, how are you letting Cena go over on you? You know, what are you doing? And then the, the third one that was on, started last week is the Evolution one, which I really, really enjoyed. Naturally, yeah. <laughs> And again, it, it's just very truthful. Triple H said he wanted to try and get Ric Flair back to being Ric Flair. And he thought, what better way to do that is I'll have him with me. Because he said it was really strange when Ric Flair came in, his like, mojo had gone. And it was Ric Flair acting as Ric Flair mm-hmm. instead of Ric Flair just being Ric Flair. And he wanted two other guys. And he basically said to Randy Orton and Batista, you can either like fade away within this business or you can come and get in this car with us and you know we'll make you stars he said if you do sit in this car though everybody in that locker room will hate you because they know where you're going and yeah he was just really truthful with it it's just really good mm. and I, I like stuff like that I, I hate it when people sugarcoat stuff or they tell it in a character sort of way so yeah really good really excited to see what the episodes are coming up Hmm. Only two bugbears from the opening episode. The timeline, they just feel kind of mixed up. Like, they start referencing problems and yeah. things, and it's from, like, all the way at this point, but then they dial it back to this point in history, like, earlier on. They're like, yeah. wait, I thought you were over yeah, here. Yeah. What? Like, we just got so much talent. Blah, blah, blah. And then well, we were having all this tawdry television. We needed to move away from it. It's like, oh, okay, we're going to do a draft now. We're like, but I thought you already done the draft. What are you doing? Yeah. And my other big gripe, Michael Rappaport fucking sucks as a narrator. I'm sorry. I need the dulcet tones of Keith David to yeah. tell me about wrestling history. I suppose the energy isn't there, is it? <laughs> but yeah, I, I do recommend you all go and start watching that series. It's mm. really good. On to our fifth match of TakeOver Portland. It's for the NXT Tag Team Championship. The Undisputed Era defending against the Broserweights, Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle, who won the Dusty Rhodes Classic and that gigantic trophy. 
which failed the wellness. <laughs> Absolutely love that. Why have you not got your trophy with you anymore? Uh, it failed the wellness. <laughs> love it. <laughs> this pairing has been quite entertaining. Yeah. Like some of their skits beforehand on their way to Portland. So that plane's actually for us. Yeah, it's for us. The three of us are going to fly to Portland on it. We're going to fly private, bro. And how exactly did you pull that off? I know a guy. Now let's get these boots into the boot. First of all, don't ever do that accent again. Second, why are we the ones that are putting it in the boot? Because, Pete, we don't want some luggage truckers breaking our best bud here. Come on, Team Broserweight, bro. Let's go. And <laughs> Pete Dunn is just the... He's the best as this completely not a straight man. When they were cutting promos at Worlds Collide and he was addressing grizzled young veterans who were the other finalists, he was like, look, let me be blunt. And then you see Riddle's face like, ah, <laughs> oh, bro, ah, oh. <laughs> he said the secret word, bro. <laughs> it's just cold. So Pete and Riddle drive out on the Brosomobile. <laughs> Nigel's great here. You could almost hear his eyes roll when it came out and he went, oh, here we go. <laughs> the whole thing with that, that, you know, it had, had its suspension, so it's now back with them. <laughs> um, just brilliant. And the, the tops that they were wearing, so funny. I... I don't get this bit of a lot. Like, I mean, they got the crowd on board with it. They were chatting. Yeah. I mean, how much fish could Bobby Fish fry if Bobby Fish could fry fish? <laughs> I don't think I get it, but... They always talk about, in promos, about making sure that you're warmed up before you go out on the mic. And so you would tend to do tongue twisters. Oh, right, so, so the, the human torch was the yeah, idea bank club. Exactly, yeah. Right. So the big thing is that they've always pushed that Fish and O'Reilly haven't been good on the mic oh. because you can hardly hear them or they're, they're quite static. So the joke is that they're doing a tongue twister to warm themselves up of, before they talk. That's the joke, and using right. Fish is the... the well, well, I think it was lost on quite a lot of people. But I was just like, this is brilliant. Or it could just be that Riddle's really high and thinks this is a good <laughs> idea. Undisputed Era don't like it either and they attack their challenges in the aisle. Yeah. Back in the ring, Riddle does a nice duck under into the gut wrench suplex and Pete does an X-Plex on the apron to fish and then X-Plexes Kyle into Bobby on the apron. Mm, it's nice. How many X-Plexes could Pete Dunn X-Plex if Pete Dunn could X-Plex? Undisputed <laughs> I don't know. Fish cuts off Pete's backflip out of the corner and Undisputed Era start working him over. Dunn's got fight and even bridges up on a kick out but he still remains isolated. We get a dragon screw into the ropes followed up by Fish kicking Dunn off the apron. He took a really big tumble there. Yeah. Enzigiri eventually gives Pete the chance to get Riddle in for the hot tag. Brotons and suplexes for everyone. Then hits the Bro to Sleep into the German suplex for a near fall. 
Dunn gets back in and scores a pair of double teams with Matt. I have to say, for a quote-unquote thrown-together team this early on, Pete and Riddle really looked like they put a lot of thought into their offence and yeah. they seem to be gelling pretty well. I mean, these, this is one of those times where you get your straight WWE fans who are very much of what you're saying, that they're, they're two guys who've been thrown together. When, in actual fact, we know from outside of WWE, these guys have known each other for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. So it's it's that concept of, are we seeing that these guys only know each other since NXT or you know wherever the commentators putting them for us? Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, Pete tags out again to moonsault onto Fish on the outside. And then Riddle's floating bro eats the knees from O'Reilly. Riddle keeps no-selling German suplexes and then scores a knee and a German of his own. Spears both undisputed era members, but then Fish chop-blocked him and the UE get a near fall with their slingshot German. Riddle escapes another double team and tags Pete, and then both teams trade simultaneous submissions with each other. Gets a standing ovation from the crowd. Fish escapes a doomsday device and superplexes Riddle, allowing O'Reilly to heel hook Riddle, but Dunn leapfrogs over Fish from the second rope to break up the hold. I think that's some really good teases of the challenges inexperience costing them. Kyle pushing Pete into Riddle to get him off the apron, and then dodging Riddle's spear so that it hits Pete instead. And the champions hit Chasing the Dragon, but Pete Dunn kicks out and it gets a huge pop. He flips out of a German suplex, which allows Riddle to get a blind tag, and he joins them in for some double teams, which culminates in the Bro to Sleep and Enzigiri combination on Bobby Fish, and that gets a free count. We have new tag team champions in the Bros awaits after 16 minutes and 58 seconds. What do you think to the match, Kyle? I really enjoyed it. The finish that I wanted as well. I felt like we needed the belts to come off Undisputed Era. Not for any reason in particular, just just to kind of continue the story. But I felt that the match was really good. I think they worked well together. It just flowed really well. It was a bit like the first match of the night where there wasn't a point where I was like, geez, how long is this match going on for? Mm. It just, the flow was really nice. I really liked the submission section where they were putting submissions on each other and then Matt Riddle was able to break it up while he still had fish on his back. Yeah, it was, it was good. Really mm. enjoyed it. Yeah, really enjoyable all round, really. Both teams have really good teamwork. I was especially impressed with the challenges, like I say, this early on into their team. And I love the tease of the miscommunication at the end. Yeah. Like the possibility of, oh, but maybe there will be singles guys after this again and something will happen there. It's yeah. Really good stuff all around. It's nice to have new champions, keeps things fresh. Yeah. And it makes you question what news going to happen with the era. Yeah. We then get an advert for TakeOver Tampa and Keith Lee being on FS1's WWE backstage show. That was good. I, I struggled to keep up with it because it's not on any English programme sure. you know, or the network. But I try and catch up with it when I can when I see stuff on YouTube and stuff yeah I, that's how I tend to see if anything newsworthy comes up and post yeah. official clips on YouTube 
Because I think they, this week they've got Jeff Hardy on, haven't they? Oh, right, okay. So that'll be quite good to try and get a hold of. Have they got CM Punk on this week? I'm not too sure. I can't pin down when he's on and when he's not. And then he seemingly says absolutely nothing newsworthy anyway. No. So it's just like, what's the point? Yeah. I don't know whether we are going to get the end product of him being on WWE television. I, sh- I suppose this is a start, even though it's not technically WWE telly it's still WWE based Mm. we'll see alright so it's main event time Tommaso Ciampa held the NXT title for 238 days but then had to relinquish the gold due to a neck injury and then he says that Adam Cole's legacy is tainted because his title was just handed to him but didn't he have to beat Johnny to win the title he did yeah hmm Okay. Oh, this looks pretty familiar. Undisputed Era spray-painted Champa's back. Yeah. NWO. Mm. So it's our main event with the NXT Championship on the line. Adam Cole facing off against Tommaso Champa. What have you made of Champa since he's come back? He just seems very focused, doesn't he? It's like very tunnel vision. He doesn't care what's going on around him. All he can see is Goldie. Like, that's his thing. I would much rather see Adam Cole as champion, if I'm honest. But he's all right. I wasn't overwhelmingly excited by the prospect of this match. Yeah. champa has got this 2002 Triple H babyface run where... He's not really doing anything to be a babyface. He's just come back from injury. And, oh, well, that's automatically makes you a babyface. Yeah. And so he's not really doing anything to get me all that invested. But I also feel that the audience are invested in him a lot because mm. when they do the big boxing introduction, Adam Cole got the biggest pop. That's the thing. So I got into a mini argument with someone on Twitter about this when... Undisputed Era ran in on TakeOver Blackpool yeah. and they got a pop and people were like, oh, people can't wait to turn on the NXT UK people. Like, One, the NXT UK people they were attacking were heels. Yeah. Two, it's easy to forget with Full Sail kind of behaving themselves on weekly NXT television now, but if you go back and listen to any TakeOver... Undisputed Era get massive fucking pops. Yeah. And three people just like surprises, you know? Yeah. And then he, he... I saw him do a snarky reply to someone else, like, but people like surprises. I'm like, fuck off. It's literally a thing yeah. in the business. Yeah. How are you... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I felt like War Games was really good, but then, like, the aftermath, thinking, oh, okay, well, this is going to lead... Of these two fighting for the championship, and, yeah. and then my excitement kind of cooled off. Yeah. Every time I hear that intro to Champa's song as well, I keep thinking Taz is going to come out. Yeah. <laughs> it's a towel over his head. <laughs> Champa again, fucking ripped. Mm. Looking real jack, baby. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of uncomfortable how closely he stands right behind Adam Cole when he's doing yeah. his pose. <laughs> so this match starts off slow, as you'd expect, from an NXT main event, because 
it's got to go over half an hour. There's no other way you can have an epic match other than it going really fucking long. Yeah. Cole evades some early finisher attempts, so Champa just taps for a headlock. Cole pays for taking the piss out of Tommy's patting himself on the back apron pose and gets whipped all around ringside and eats a running knee while he's draped over the guardrail and then another while he's draped over the timekeeper's chair. Cole blocks an enzigiri on the outside and wheelbarrow German suplexes Champa neck first into the announce table. It looked really bad from the first he's angle. Sna- his neck snaps back, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. But like the, the first angle you see it from, it, it looks like it, he literally hit it on the point of his neck. Yeah. And then the, the second one that they did from it the from, behind, the, yeah. from behind, you can see him actually tuck his neck to protect himself. Yeah. So it's like, oh, phew. Willow's Bell and the Ushigoroshi are both escaped. And then thankfully, Champa kicks away Cole's Panama Sunrise attempt. So I fucking hate that move. Yeah. <laughs> he then scores a German suplex and a Whirly Bird powerbomb for a two count. Cole rolls through the bridging armbar and hits Yusu Garoshi for a near fall. The avalanche Panama Sunrise is then countered into an avalanche air raid crash for a two count. He then powerbombs Cole onto the Spanish announce table and through the Spanish announce yeah. table. They must spend so much money on Spanish house tables. <laughs> <laughs> Project Champa back inside gets a near fall and then a pair of bicycle kicks sends Tommy to the outside and for the first time ever, Cole tries a tope, but he gets kicked away. But then Cole pile drives Champa as he's getting back in the ring and hits the brain buster into the knee for a two count. Get a last shot to the back of the neck, but Champa rolled into the ropes. So Cole tries a Panama Sunrise on the apron, and it's counted into an air raid crash on the apron. Not noticed. The last few years, moves on the apron have become more popular. Mm -hmm. You never saw it. I guess it's a thing that's cropped up with smaller wrestlers becoming more prominent. Yeah. The first time that I noticed it was... Kevin Owens' turn against Sammy in NXT. And then since then, I just feel like we see it all the time now. Mm. Cole backdrops out of a fairy tale ending on the outside, then jumps off the announce table to hit the Panama Sunrise on the floor. Somehow, Champa shows John Cena levels of recovery <laughs> yeah. after being rolled back in the ring and hits Willow's Bell and the fairy tale ending, but Cole kicked out. This is something John Cena is notoriously slagged off for. Like, we've both had a go at him for this, you know, SummerSlam 2010. Oh, I'll make my comeback after a DDT on the concrete. It's fine. Ignore this. Yeah, so this is what I mean about the no selling in NXT. Just let us feel the effects of something, please. Yeah. Eeeh. The rest of the Undisputed Era arrive and they do a high-low onto Tommaso outside with the ref distracted, but Champa kicks out. He then takes out the Undisputed Era with a springboard corkscrew. The last shot by Cole hits, but Champa still kicks out. Get a ref bump, low blow by Cole, so Champa kicks him in the dick out of mid-air, trying another pattern of sunrise. (laughs) That's a good aim. 
He hits another fairy tale ending, but the ref still hasn't recovered. Oh look, it's Johnny Wrestling. I bet he's going to help him out. Oh no, he grabs the NXT title before Champa can get to it and hits him on the head with it. And that, a single belt shot after all that crazy shit that they did, that's enough for Cole to cover and win and retain his title after 33 minutes and 23 seconds. I enjoyed the match. I didn't enjoy the finish. My question to you is how many near falls is too many near falls? I think two and three quarter hours into a three hour show that's supposed to be a palate cleanser for overly long shows yeah. is not the time to be doing ridiculous kickouts, in yeah. my view. I just felt that I was getting to a point when we got to like the fourth and fifth kick out of. I just want someone to win now. Please exactly. Just yes. Come on. I didn't like Gargano coming out because we're obviously going to get Champa Gargano again. Mm-hmm. Not to say that that match isn't going to be good, but we've just seen it so many times. It's not fresh anymore. I literally let out an audible groan when that finish happened. Yeah. Fucking sick of them. I wonder what's going to happen next with Adam Cole. I love him as champion. I think he's brilliant. The record is at Mania to beat Finn's record. Okay. We'll see. Mm. Look, I want to believe there's a good match in here somewhere, <laughs> but between the ponderous early goings, the ridiculous kickouts by the end, that straight up insulting no sell of the Panama Sunrise on the floor, the literally groan inducing heel turn at the end, I just wasn't impressed. No. I'm sick of these, the terms being coined before forced epics. Yeah. Where you're like, this is going to be an epic match. We're going to do everything ever under the sun and it is going to last forever and you will enjoy it. (laughs) I'm just sick of NXT main events being 10 to 15 minutes too long. I'm sick of Champa and Gargano being involved with each other. I'm sick of Johnny being a total loser, yet somehow still moving up the card. I'm sick of being reminded about how much they've butchered his babyface run that got over so naturally. Mm. And like his matches with Armas feel like a lifetime ago now. However, as someone who absolutely hates the Panama Sunrise, I did appreciate <laughs> Champa countering it at just about every turn. That was the one bright spot of that match. I wonder, around about the time Bobby Roode was NXT champion, I found myself kind of zoning out of NXT championship matches. I thought it might have just been a syndrome of the way he kind of wrestled those matches. But like, there was a tweet from Matthew from Botchamania that had me thinking this. It's probably more of a symptom of having the same style of wrestling for such a prolonged period. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we just need some kind of... Just something to differentiate some of the, the work rate and the style in some of these matches. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that the wrestlers that are the, the guys that are um, facing off against each other in these important matches are so similar to each other that we don't have that sort of break of 
oh, this guy's going to do his different moveset. Mm. Whereas at the moment and for the past few main event takeovers, you've got these similar guys that are doing similar moves. And we are, like you said, we're, we're stuck in this go-round, aren't we? Mm. Yeah. This show was, I think it was three hours and five minutes on the network. You could easily chop 10 minutes off of Johnny's match, 15 minutes off Champers, yeah. and you'd still end up with like, a traditional pay-per-view runtime. And I think you'd improve things a fair bit. I think it was, overall it was an enjoyable show. The main event was the only match I really kind of openly disliked. Tag match was great. NXT's tag division always seems to deliver on a takeover. Yeah. Especially with Undisputed Era involved. Loved the street fight. Loved the North American title match. Had a lot of time for the women's championship match as well. Johnny and Finn was actually pretty good even though you had the sense that maybe they're holding back maybe some something's missing here it's yeah it's not quite up to the level that you maybe hope for but i don't know what are your thoughts kyle overall as a pay-per-view i really really enjoyed it i really enjoyed the street fight mm-hmm. I thought that was the best match of the night seeing them out of the comfort zone seeing them doing something different I agree with you, you know, taking minutes out of a match isn't going to harm the match, it's just going to make it more streamlined. Because there's times in the matches that we're watching where, not that we're experts, but we know where the end point should be, mm. you know. The main event, when you get to like the the fourth near fall, it's like, right, we're ready for a winner now. We don't need another two or three of these near falls. We're at that crescendo yes exactly yeah as takeovers go they're always brilliant I wouldn't say that it it was among my favourite takeovers but it it was still good enough Mm. so your favourite match is a street fight yeah I'm inclined to go that way as well it's kind of hard to separate between like a cluster of these matches but yeah I I think overall the, the street fight was appreciably different and Play to the stipulation, play to the feud. Really enjoyable yeah. overall. Standout performer, I think for me, Keith Lee just continues to impress, really. How he does those moves is just beyond ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, I, I'd go with Keith Lee as well. Just outstanding. Yeah, it's interesting to see something other than the tag team match being the opener that gets the crowd on side. Yeah. And... I think they're doing a really good job of keeping fan interest in Keith up. Yeah. And following on from some really high caliber performances. He's got to wrestle Roman Reigns one on one at some time. Oh. Like gosh. Roman's even said like any come on mate, any time. Like yeah. he, he he loved it. Yeah. Going forward now though, the landscape's changed a little bit since the takeover's been and since we've had a few NXTs before this podcast Walter and Imperium have come out and attacked Finn are we going to see that? yeah slightly different than what I was expecting as well I figured with them being in Dublin Finn versus Tyler would be the draw Tyler Bate apparently is injured right I guess they're just kind of a bit you know wrapping him up in cotton wool and not sure how that's going to come off 
So I think most people's guesses now is, okay, it's going to be Finn and Walter in Tampa and Finn wins the title and then goes and take over Dublin as champion to drive up the tickets for that. That makes sense. I think I'd expect Velveteen to be the guy to challenge Cole in Tampa. Yep. He's kind of done with Roddy now and just wants all-out revenge on on the era. Yeah. Do you think that this is the end of the era? Like, going into Mania season and the draft? and <sighs> I don't know. It's too much of a money spinner. I don't think they're quite done. Maybe like they'll they'll get a bit of a trim or something, but overall their their chemistry together is so pretty do, magnetic. Do you think they'll move as a unit then? Yeah, as much as possible. Yeah. You might get stuff like, I don't know, Fish is the oldest one there, maybe he'll get kicked aside and do something on NXT as someone like being like the guy that makes future stars, maybe Roddy gets kicked out and spins off as a baby face or something. Like, yeah. I don't know, like it'd be good to see maybe NXT go in slightly different directions, but I think it would be a shame just to abandon the undisputed era completely. Yeah. yeah. This is the first year in quite a while I've not got into mania fever yet don't know whether it's because I'm just not excited about what they've got planned so far or I don't know I'm not feeling it yet no I know we said we'd do elimination chamber I think the two chamber matches sound kind of interesting yeah but I don't know it might depend on some of the other stuff they've got around that we may just go straight to Mania. Yeah. We might end up delving into the past before we go into WrestleMania, but we'll see how we feel. We still have our projects that we've not started yet. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah you might be hearing about that sometime in the near future. Something we've got coming soon. We'll see where we go, but as far as this episode goes, we'll wrap it up here. Just remember, you can follow us on Twitter at TNW Podcast and on Instagram at TNW underscore podcast, where you can keep up to date with when we've got new episodes coming out see me moan in general we're also on facebook as well you can keep track of when we post new episodes you can also follow us on our soundcloud page we've got a playlist of all of our episodes so far as well as all of my guest appearances on the Roy's nitro podcast give us a subscribe and a follow there give us a subscribe and a rating or a review on apple podcasts And you can also listen to us on Spotify and Stitcher Radio. We're on a lot of things now. Mm -hmm. That's good. I like to see that. You've got no excuse. Yeah. Listen to us. (laughs) We'll catch you at some other time. It's a goodbye from Kyle. Yeah, thank you very much for listening. I'll see you around. That's a goodbye from me. I'll catch you down the road.